Thanks so much for joining us for the New Life Brisbane podcast. New Life Church is one family, many churches, and we exist to simply see more people more like Jesus by planning and leading thriving local churches. We pray that this message is a blessing. Thank you. Such an honour to be here, guys. What a beautiful sanctuary. It feels like a sanctuary. I just, I, um, as we were worshipping, and even just before, I just felt this, this sense that, um, that this house and I guess in this, for this season while you guys are here and you're building, I feel like on you and, and this community is like a calling to peace that in a world that kind of feels like it's gone mad a little bit outside even before we were hearing like protests, <laughs> anti-war protests, like, and we can feel like there's so much yelling, but I just felt like God was saying that this, this place of this community and particularly New Life Brisbane is called to carry peace that um, surpasses all understanding. I feel like that's really on you and, and Kath as well, that you carry peace, that this is going to be a place that people are going to walk into and when anxiety has been screaming and raging at them, they'll walk in and feel safe and 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 they can take a sigh of relief and a, a, bre- a breath out. And I feel like each one of you guys is going to be a part of cultivating that as well. So I'm just going to pray over that. Lord, I just thank you for this church. And I thank you for the peacefulness that is here and, and the culture of peace that they've cultivated, Lord. And I just thank you that you would continue to increase that. Lord, I thank you for anyone here today who who maybe does feel anxious or um, has been, has been, yeah, weighed down by that. Lord, I just pray that your peace would surround them. Lord, I thank you that it's your peace. It's your peace that surpasses all understanding. It's the peace that guards our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And so, Lord, I thank you for that kind of peace that would, would come around our minds and protect us and keep us safe. And, and God, I thank you that this would be a sanctuary that many, many people would walk in. We thank you for how it's already beginning to happen. But Lord, we thank you for people walking in even off the streets and encountering your peace. And everybody said, Amen. Hey, this afternoon... Well, actually, I'm going to just tell you who I am. Who was at conference? Who was there yesterday? Yeah, so a good chunk of you. Um, well, for those of you who weren't, I'm Jesse. This is my husband, Dan. Give the people a wave. We've been married seven and a half years, um, and it's been a really fun time. We have a little puppy. Her name's Pickle. She's a handful. She's a spoodle, um, and she's great. And we have six chickens, and sometimes Pickle stresses us out. She looks like she's killed the chickens, but the chickens have just learned to function by playing dead. Pickle goes over and, like, stands on them and wrestles them and and, and bites them sometimes. <laughs> I'm like, oh, gosh. <laughs> Our neighbours just so frequently hear this at like 6am. Pickle, pickle, get off the chickens. <laughs> so that's just like the, the soundtrack of Somerset Street, Kalanga. And uh, yeah, so we have six chickens and they're all still living uh, to this day. And yeah, as Alex said that I'm a part of, we're both part of Kingdom Culture Church and um, I love our community. And it's just an honour to be with you today. And I want to share a message um, on faith. I'm just going to open my laptop here on this Uh, pulpit that, oh, I was warned about. It's a little just, apparently it's just, it got set up maybe a bit freaky deaky. So anyway, it's open now. Here we are. I wanted to share a message um, this afternoon about faith and talk about um, faith that, that persists even when circumstances would maybe want the faith to stop. Like when circumstances 
don't look like our faith should keep standing on and believing on, but but a faith that actually persists even in the face of adversity and in the face of where it doesn't happen right at the first go. So if you want to turn with me in your Bibles, if you have your Bible here, I think we'll have it on the screen as well, but to math, uh, Mark 7, actually. Mark 7, verse 24. I'm going to read a passage of Scripture here about Jesus. This is, and from there, Jesus arose and he went away to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And he entered a house and he did not want anyone to know, yet he could not be hidden. Immediately, a woman whose little daughter, who had an unclean spirit, heard of him and came and fell down at his feet. Now the woman was a Gentile, a Seraphonician by birth, and she begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. And he said to her, let the children be fed first, for it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Savage. I'm just going to call it there and just say like, that's a strong sentence. Uh, We'll come more on that later. But she answered him, yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. This woman has wit and I like her. And he said to her, for this statement, you may go away. The demon has left your daughter. And she went home and found the child lying in bed and the demon had gone. Lord, we thank you for your word. And I just pray that it would speak this, this afternoon, Lord. I thank you that it's your word that has power. So God, I just pray that you would breathe on this, Lord that you'd be speaking and any words that are not meant to remain in people's minds. Lord, I just thank you that you would highlight what needs to be highlighted today. Some of the context behind this passage is if you look at the chapter before in Mark 6, Jesus and the disciples, they've been doing some public ministry. They've been seeing people healed. They just fed the 5,000 people. That's a lot of people. I don't know if anyone was serving over conference weekend. I think it wasn't quite 5,000 people, but you get a bit tired when you're serving and hosting and feeding and, um, and ministering. And so the boys, Jesus and, and the disciples, the boys, I like to call them, they had been, they had been pouring out. Like 5,000 people is a lot. And so they, they've come on like a bit of a retreat. They, they've kind of pulled away from the crowds and it's saying that Jesus, he, he entered a house and he did not want anyone to know where he was. It's kind of like a retreat. Sometimes we do songwriting retreats and we go away and it's really beautiful and it's rejuvenating and we write these songs. And we've never, like up until this point, had someone turn up at the door asking um, for deliverance of their child, which, you know, I'm kind of glad about because that would be a lot of pressure. Uh, it'd be, you know, interesting. But this, this is some of the context. We sometimes brush over these stories and we don't take a minute to realise like, whoa, this lady, she hears a rumour of Jesus in town. She hears a rumour of a man who's, who's feeding 5,000 people miraculously and she's hearing a rumour of a man that's seeing demons getting delivered from people and, and healing people's physical bodies and preaching messages that's transform people's lives. And she goes, I, I need that. So she somehow finds his address, even though he's trying to keep this hidden and a secret and turns up at, his, at this place and is knocking at the door. And commentators say that she was like triple marginalized. So she's a woman, which in that society meant that she was less than. It's very different to today. Turning up unannounced to the teacher, the male teacher was not, not the normal practice. She's also a Gentile, so she's not a Jew, and she is, um, she's a foreigner. 
So she's not a local. The, she's Seraphonician. So they, they've made a point to talk about the fact that she's not from there. She's actually, um, the, the Phoenician people were uh, descendants of the ancient Canaanites in the Old Testament. We talk about Canaanites. So they, they lived in like the city states around the Mediterranean. And so she's a foreigner. She's a woman. She's a Gentile. And she is so desperate and so full of faith that Jesus is, is the answer for her daughter, that she turns up unannounced and here she is knocking at the door. And this is, this is the context of what we see. So I just wanna pull today just a few truths from this text. And I actually would love to not spend too long preaching because I actually feel to pray for a couple of people after the message. And so I wanted to spend some time in ministry, but but just three, three truths that I want to pull out of this text today. So the first one that I want to pull is that faith comes by hearing. Faith comes by hearing. Romans 10, 17 says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. If you want your faith to increase, if you want to be someone that's having your faith stirred, the first place is, is his, his Scripture is reading His Word, is reading these stories, is taking time to let them speak to us and read us and, and actually increase our faith. But also, we see in this woman's life, it wasn't actually through reading Scriptures. She wasn't at home reading Scriptures that then led her to Jesus. It was actually through hearing about Jesus from other people. It was rumour on the street that caused her to turn up at this, this home and so I put you to you this morning that faith comes by hearing and I want to talk about testimonies and the power of us sharing what God's doing in our lives and being people that, that speak freely about what God's doing. When I was 15, I started to hear rumours of God speaking to people in practical ways and giving them prophetic words, which is where you hear from God something for somebody else. And, and it's just, well, I mean, prophetic word is, prophecy is just hearing the voice of God and sharing that in a few different contexts. But I started to hear this particular context where for individuals, God would speak and tell them words of knowledge and, and things they couldn't have known in the natural about that person. And I was like, wow, that's exciting and terrifying. But I, I wanted, I'd heard and my faith started to rise and I wanted to engage in this. So I was with some friends and we spent some time praying and asking God to give us pictures for people that we, we could then bless them at the shopping centre. <laughs> yeah, we were going to the shopping centre. It was actually Morayfield Shops, which if you know the north side, it's not where you ever want to find yourself. But here we were at 15 choosing to go there. We were driving through the other day through Morayfield and I was like, oh, just so many teenage memories. I don't like, like you just drive through places where you were as a teenager and you're just like, I don't really want to be here. But let's just, let's go to the city. Let's go somewhere nice and elevated and not. Anyway, we were at Morayfield and I, and I, yeah, we prayed before and God gave me three things. He said, go to Cotton On. And I wrote, I wrote this, I wrote Cotton On in the journal. I wrote yellow t-shirt and I wrote scar on left shoulder. So quite specific. And so I'm a little bit terrified. I go in, I go to Cotton On, there's no man in a yellow t-shirt and I am fine about that. So I just, we, we went shopping and that was, that was good. But I, right before we left, I felt God say, hey, go check Cotton On again. So I said to my friends, hey, I'm just gonna go race over. Just check one more time if there's someone in a yellow t-shirt. So I went in and at the back to the left, I saw a man and he was wearing a yellow t-shirt. So 
I walked up to him and I said, this is going to sound a little crazy, but I'm a Christian. I, um, and I was praying before I came to the shops and I felt God say to go to Cotton On and see, the, like, see a man in a yellow t-shirt. So do you by any chance, this is the bit where you just go out on a limb and you look a little crazy. And I said, do you by any chance have a scar on your left shoulder? And he looks at me. And he lifts his, shoulder, his, the, his shirt up and there's this massive scar across his shoulder where he'd had surgery. And he was like, whoa, how, like, what the heck? How'd you know that? And I was like, well, I was 15. So it was probably not super eloquent. I think I said something along the lines of like, well, I think God, oh, he, then he also shared that he grew up in church. He grew up in church, but he had not been in church for a number of years. And, and I said, well, I think I think God wants to get your attention. I think he cares enough about you that he's just sent me um, here to talk to you today. And so I think at this point, I probably needed some help. And so the leader, like one of our youth leaders kind of came over and I think we, I remember us in a huddle and me being like, thanks, Steve and Steve. And we're just all praying. And because I just, I think I was a bit like, what do I do now? But I, what I want to highlight to you, I mean, that's, I've touched on a few things there. Take what you will, but, but faith comes by hearing. When we begin to hear about how God moves in other people's lives, it begins to stir our faith for how He can move in our own life. And so I just wanna encourage you today to be a person that shares what God's doing in your life. Share about how He's moving. Share about different ways that He might be providing for you or different opportunities and, and, give, and celebrate because I think we're often quick to grumble. And I, I'm the first to admit, I am quick to talk about when service is bad, when a day doesn't go well, when, when things are just not quite up to, and, and we're quick to talk about that. And I don't think there's necessarily anything wrong with, I guess, talking about things that could be better. But, but I think how beautiful if we as Christians would be known for sharing about what God is doing, testimony, raising each other's faith as we speak about how He's moving in our midst. I want to share another example about financial provision. Dan and I, I took a year off work and and felt um, to do a solo music project. And so we were kind of taking a step of faith and investing some finances in this. But Dan is the budgeter in our house. I don't know if in any couples here, if there's like the person who does the budget and the person who like tooth and nail resists budget day, like Dan's like, we got to do the budget. And I like, I just drag my feet. That's me. Anyway, I don't know if there's any other budget draggers. So I dragged my feet that day and I was in the study and Daniel has all of his big spreadsheets. Sometimes like, I don't know if it's because I'm a creative, sometimes like, can we do the budget in bed on the laptop with coffee? Like, how can we make this as fun as possible? Not with the big study and the big screens. But anyway, we're in the study. We've got the big screens. We're seeing all of the money. And it's not like looking super great. <laughs> Part of why I don't want to go to budget day. <laughs> and so it was just looking really tight. And, and, and Dan, we were talking about like, what are we going to cut? What are we going to, like, how are we going to make this work? And I was feeling real swirly and it was a Sunday afternoon and, and we had about like maybe 20 minutes before we had to go to church in the evening. And, and I just, we just stopped in my budget and I just said to, to Dan, I said, hey, can we just stop and pray for a second? Because I just, I just feel like we are, we are like begging right now, like we're kind of trying to make ends meet. And, this, and I feel like God, 
God told me to take this year off work and God told me to do this music project. And I heard someone say once that what God orders, He pays for. And faith, that made my faith rise. You know, faith comes by hearing. And so I was like, you know, we're just gonna stop and we're gonna pray. So mid-budget, we stop and we start praying. And I just, I, I even marched around the little study. I was like, Lord, you said, and I just, I just took a moment and just reminded, and I think he's okay with that honesty. I was like, God, you asked me to do this project. It's expensive. I need you to come through. And so I just started to declare, and I just declared that he would provide. And, and I said, Lord, I just ask that you would come through. I, I even asked for something this week. I pray that you would, maybe work would come in for Dan this week. And so I just began praying. And I think we prayed for maybe 15 minutes. I don't normally do that. I think that's the first time and only time I've prayed during budget day. Anyway, we wrap up. I don't even think we finished budget and because we didn't quite know how we're going to make it work. But we went to church. This, that night at church, we're in worship and someone comes up to me and they said, hey, can I pray for you? And I thought it was going to be about something else. So I said, yep, sure. And they, they wanted to pray for me and Dan. So they took us aside and and it's just in the service, you know, just as no fanfare. We're just off to the side. And they said, hey, we've been praying for oh, maybe maybe eight months we've been sitting on this, but we felt that God's asked us to, to give you some money, but we didn't know when the right time was, but I just feel so strongly it's tonight. So um, we're just going to transfer you $10,000. <laughs> what the heck? Faith comes by hearing and, we're, it's, and it's, it's yes from scriptures and there's testimony after testimony in this book, but also let's be quick to share the ways God comes through because he, he then it begins to multiply it as people's faith begins to rise and like, oh wow, God, like you wanna provide for me. You care about budget day. It may not look like that, but I know so many stories, I won't go into all of them of different ways God wants to provide for us and different ways he has. So, that's my first point that we're taking away from the Seraphonician woman is faith comes by hearing. The second point I wanna draw out from this is that faith comes through action. So she hears the rumor, but she doesn't just stay home. She, it says immediately, she, she's obviously had to do some work to find his location and then turn up and then knock that door with all of the, the backstory I just gave you before and, and then fall at his feet and say, I would love my daughter to be delivered. That's quite full on. But I see, we see action here. And all throughout Scripture, we see this. I'm just going to give you a couple of examples this afternoon of uh, examples in Scripture where God is about to do a miracle, but he requires a faith action from the person. Just a few. I'm just going to give you a couple. So in the Old Testament, we've got 2 Kings 5. And Elisha says to Naaman, dip seven times in the Jordan to be healed of your leprosy. And he asks him to do an action. Everybody say action. Getting my school teacher on right now. John 5, 8. We see Jesus. He says to the man, pick up your mat and walk. Walk. The man's paralyzed. But he says, he gives, he asks him to do an action. Everybody say Action. Matthew 12, 13, Jesus says, stretch out your hand. He's about to, ha- to, to heal a hand that was crippled. And he says, stretch out your hand. What is he asking them to do? Mm-hmm. You guys are cottoning on. Matthew, you're a smart bunch. You're a very intellectual bunch. I know this is way below <laughs> low level. I'm just trying to keep you engaged. 
Matthew 14, because you're so smart, your mind's probably wandering to smarter things. Matthew 14, 29, Jesus says to Peter, step out of the boat. That is a? We see here Luke 5, 19. This one's a crazy action where the place is so packed that there's these young guys that wanna see their paralyzed friend healed that they make a hole in the ceiling of the house gathering. It was probably a house gathering to get him into the build, that is, that's a strong action. So I wanna put to you tonight that faith comes by hearing, hearing the Word of God, hearing what He's doing in other people's lives, but, but also faith does come through action. There is a, there's a response part on our part when it comes to faith, where we reach out and we receive. It's a free gift you know, we know in Scripture says that we are saved by grace through faith. It's all by His grace. Every time that He ministers to us, every time He provides financially, that, that financial miracle I was talking about before, that was by grace through faith. Every time we see a physical healing, it's by grace through faith. When we see a salvation, it's by grace through faith. But there is this through faith where we, we do have, I guess, our responsibility of taking the gift of receiving, of believing, of actually taking Him at His Word. I like to think of it as like a present. God gives us, He's giving a gift, but there's like this unwrapping that we have to do. Sometimes I think God, there's so much that God has in store for us as, as believers, but we leave almost like at Christmas time, like presents under the tree. It's like we leave the presents that God has for us wrapped up and we just leave them sitting there. And we're saying, God, I, 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 you know, we're, we're waiting for Him to just turn up and provide. He said, actually, I'm waiting for you to unwrap the provision. I'm waiting for you to unwrap that, that, that breakthrough that you're believing for in your family. And that's the unwrapping. That's the part on our, our end. My third point this afternoon, and maybe if you guys want to come, Aaron, if you want to tinkle, tinkle on the keyboard. My third point this afternoon is that faith overcomes offence. This woman overcame offence in this moment where she has been brave enough to turn up unannounced to the teacher's house, even though she's a woman, she's a foreigner, she's a Gentile. This is culturally not appropriate. This is socially frowned upon, but she's so desperate and faithful that she turns up and she knocks and then... Jesus says, let the children be fed first for it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. One commentator writes that um, Jesus softened the normal word for dogs to the diminutive little dogs, which made it more affectionate. I really like what that commentator is saying, but I don't really want to even be called a little dog. <laughs> like... I don't know. I don't know. If I, I don't want to call a dog. I want to call a little dog, big dog, little dog. Not really a fan of being called a dog. Like it's offensive and it's okay for us to acknowledge that. There's a whole bunch of context to why he's saying that and I'm not even going to go into it right now. Sorry. Alex will clean that up. Send him an email. Alex at New Life. But she persists in humility and faith and says, yes, but Lord, even the dogs eat the crumbs under the, the, the master's table. I wanna tell you a story. 
and get really honest and a bit vulnerable. So we've been married seven and a half years, Dan and I. And for four and a half years of that time, we've been trying for children. And two years ago, we were actually um, just starting our first round of IVF. And it had been a real mental battle for me to even like engage in IVF in the first place. I kind of felt a little bit like that woman, like vulnerably knocking at the door. Like there was a whole bunch of stuff stacked, but we'd done it, we'd, we'd gone through it. We'd, it's like, it, there's a whole bunch of steps involved. And it had been probably about a, a month of preparation and, and we'd had a procedure. I'd had a procedure, not Dan. And, um, and it was quite painful, but, but I was hoping and believing and I turned up with my expectancy and so I had the procedure. And the next day I was waiting for a call from the scientist to say how many embryos we had. And they'd collected 10 eggs. I'm giving you a lot of details, but they'd collected 10 eggs and I was hoping, they were saying like, you know, 50%. So I was just hoping for like, six if like was good and like I was like I'll take three three will be really good and you know engaging all of my faith faith action right like I've engaged my faith and and so I remember I'm in the middle of Westfield it's a real common theme in this message and I was in Westfield North Lakes better than Morayfield and I had a teriyaki sushi in my hand with mayonnaise because mayonnaise makes it better and I was just mid teriyaki I was shopping for shorts and and I get this phone call and just the lady over the phone says, oh, they all died overnight, I'm so sorry. And that was that. And I felt offended with God. I felt like I was knocking at that door and I felt like the woman who's told, sorry, let the children eat first. Like I just felt so disappointed and offended at God. And that week in my, my Bible reading, I read Matthew 11, and I'd probably never read this with the same eyes, but I read the passage of Scripture, Matthew 11, where, where John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin, who had spent a period of time preaching about Jesus. He'd been preaching about the coming Messiah. He was saying, and behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He'd been preaching about Jesus. He'd been, he was, he was not, Obendi Reed, he was a stalwart, faith-filled man of God. And he'd been out there preaching about God. He'd seen when the heavens opened and, and the Father said to Jesus, this is my Son in, in whom I love and in whom I'm well pleased. So he'd seen some amazing things, but now he's in prison. He's actually on death row. He doesn't know that he's gonna die, but he's in prison. And he's wrestling and he's starting to question and he's starting to get a little bit offended by Jesus, because going, if you're really the Messiah, Jesus, why am I sitting in prison? And so he sends some of his disciples, some of his friends over to Jesus. And, and they come saying like, John is saying, Lord, are you the one or should I look for another? That's some heavy words from the cousin of Jesus who'd seen all of the ministry that, that, God, that Jesus had been doing. And now he's wrestling and he's questioning and, he's, and Jesus' reply, he says, tell John, the blind are seeing, the deaf are hearing, and blessed is the one who is not offended on account of me. And I read that two years ago and I cried. <laughs> And, and I felt God say, Jess, blessed is the one who is not offended by me. I want you to have an unoffendable faith. I want you to have a faith that 
turns up and still believes in me as a healer and still believes in me as a provider, even when you don't see it when you want to, even when you knock at the door and it doesn't instantly, you don't get the miracle, bam, bam, like the $10,000 crazy story. Because sometimes it looks like that, but sometimes it doesn't. I'm still, we're still in this story. This story is still being written. But He's asking for unoffendable faith, faith that, that would believe and would go again and actually would, would stand and love Him in spite of it turning up the way we want it to. Why don't we stand? We're going to just spend some time in a second. I'm just going to pray for a couple of people, but we're going to just sing maybe for just two minutes and then I'm going to pray. And then I also want to give an opportunity. If this afternoon you feel the Holy Spirit speaking to you about particularly this unoffendable faith, faith that would keep believing and keep persisting and keep taking Him at His Word and believing that God is who He says He is and, and knock at that door and be like the Seraphonician woman who isn't waylaid when it doesn't happen initially and that we would choose not to be offended by Him. I, I wanna give an opportunity even for you to respond to that. So even as we just begin to sing, I think it's honestly more about you and God today. It's not for me, it's not for anybody else, but I think sometimes it's good for us to, to do an action, <laughs> to publicly say like, Lord, this is where I'm at, this, that really resonated and I'm actually gonna be brave enough to even take a moment to maybe even kneel where you are. You can kneel in the aisles, kneel where you are. You could kneel down the front here, but just take a moment to say like, Lord, I, I've been carrying a fence towards you, but I wanna lay that down today. I wanna believe that you are who you say you are, that the blind are seeing, the deaf are hearing, and blessed is the one who is not offended on account of you. And I wanna be someone that declares that you are a good God, that you are a faithful God, even when I haven't seen the full measure of what I'm believing for. So as we sing, I just encourage you, if that's you and you feel to respond, I just encourage you, maybe just pop on your knees in the, in the pews, in the sides at the front. Thanks again for listening to the New Life Podcast. If that stirred something within you or you would like prayer, you can contact us at church.nu or through our Instagram or Facebook page. We pray you have a great week. Be blessed.